Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Max Olson, TheAthletic.com. So, Max, let's start with uh, Alabama. We've seen the struggles they've been through. Ole Miss can score. They're going back with Jalen Milrow. Are are they kind of like a, a mess right now? They're not really sure who they are. Yeah, the commentary from from Nick Saban this week has been interesting. I think I, I saw just today he was saying, you know, Jalen Milrow's the guy. Nobody's questioning that. We have a lot of confidence in him, and I didn't really feel that way a week ago. But um, I think they're trying to build him up and try. Maybe maybe that USF game just kind of proved the point that hey, this is the best option, and there are some things that he can do really well in some ways in which the offense is limited, but. It, it, it beats the alternatives in terms of what they've got in the room. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they respond to the challenge this week because I think Ole Miss is good. And I think that, look, it's, it's still Alabama. Ole Miss is still going to have to do a ton of things right. And, and, and you know, prevent, you know Jackson Dart, if he, if he doesn't take care of the football, then this game can get away from them. But uh, this is an Ole Miss team that, that, that I'm sure smells blood in the water here and, and feels like this is their chance to get over on Alabama. And we know Lane Kiffin – um, is going to be bringing the kitchen sink for this game. So um, this is uh, it, it, it's an incredibly interesting game and one that you know if you're if you're not really sold on this Alabama team yet, and I know I'm not. You're really curious to see how do they show up this week. I, you know, I know that quarterback is the most glaring issue that they have, Max. But around it, like they've been able to win with quarterbacks who were kind of just a guy before. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems to me that. This is also intersected with the fact that everything else isn't as good as it was at Alabama before. Yeah, they were talking. I mean, I, I saw a comment from Nick Saban um, this week about you know the like the the cake comparing it to the situation to a cake and yeah, the cake went in the oven and we took it out and we put it back in the oven. We think it's ready now. It's like what about the frosting? You know, <laughs> um, I, I don't think that uh, I, you know they're, they're, when when they had lesser quarterbacks. Uh, during their dynasty run, you know, you still had a Derrick Henry or you still had these guys that you felt like 
you can lean on to be the offensive identity, certainly in, in 2020 when they won the title. You know, Mac Jones did a great job of distributing the football, but, you know, it was a freaky group of, of receivers, obviously. And so, um, I, you know, I think part of it is just really questioning, do they have, you know, I, I think you've seen some flashes from, from Jason McClellan and, and Roy Dell Williams. And there, there's, you know, they certainly have blue chip type of guys at receiver and stuff. And the offensive line has to improve. I mean, that's going to have to continue over the course of the season. But I agree. I mean, there, there's, you can definitely question the supporting cast as well. Max, uh, in a battle of the the Pac-12, I guess, uh, survivors, uh, you know, come the end of the year, uh, Oregon State and Washington State are the leftovers or, you know, last Whoa, minute. Guys, st- guys, we got breaking news here. What's that? Lincoln Riley has lifted the suspension on oh. the reporter. Oh, okay. We'll get to that. Wow. We will yeah. get to that. Thank to get you. Justice for Luca Evans. He's back. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you no, know, that, that is very interesting news. Uh, so, yeah, we will. Okay, we will sorry. Get Go to ahead. That. No, yeah. I mean, but in, in saying in the Pac 12, I mean, the, the two teams that are still without homes beyond this year, Max squaring off at a top 25 matchup. Um, Man, Oregon State, Washington State, what are your thoughts on this game? And, you know, just in the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, you were somebody who was involved heavily in reporting about realignment and, and all the twists and turns. Um, you know, where mm-hmm. do you see these two teams at this point on the field, but also the off-the-field part of it as well? Yeah, I mean, certainly these two teams have, have been uh, been brought together uh, by the circumstances here, and they definitely don't hate each other, but they definitely are hating the world at the moment, and um, I think it's gonna. Um, I think it's a, it's a really interesting matchup, and the timing of it, especially with, when this is still unresolved, um, is it's gonna be. I, I'm 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 curious to see kind of the message coming out of that game. Um, but I tell you what, guys, Oregon State's good. I mean, I, I, they are, and um, you know, I think they they were great last year. They brought a lot back. I like I like what I've seen from DJ so far in, in non-conference play, like I, I think they are going to be a problem in this, in this tackle race. And I think we've seen Cameron Ward for Washington state take his game to another level so far this season. So I, you know, I, I do think these teams belong in the race. They deserve respect. And you know, the, the, these, they've been through a lot. Obviously there's not any certainty about what 2024 looks like, but um, you know, I, I, I love that they're playing each other and that they, uh, they get a chance to, uh, you know, compete and then uh, try to send a message about, you know, the fact that they belong in a, in a Power 5 league. Max, if the game with Colorado, Colorado State that ended well past midnight, in fact, in the 2 o'clock hour where I live in the Central Time and where you are too, but if that drew the numbers it drew, what happens mm-hmm. if Colorado happens to go to Eugene and shock them, and it would be, and then come home to host the Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams and USC. Yeah, pretty, pretty unbelievable. And, and, you know, I think we all thought the TCU game was going to go a certain way. So when you see the lines like 20 again this week, you're like, okay, well, it's probably, probably a little high, right? I mean, I think, I, I think I, there, there are reasons to be a little bit concerned about, like, you know, some of the matchup disadvantages that Colorado has against Oregon. But um, you're totally right. There's something pretty – pretty magical going on in Boulder. I got to see it myself with the Nebraska game. And um, this is something that you're you're seeing, like just the attention around it and the interest around Deion Sanders and and Colorado and the coach prime effect and all that. Like you're definitely, it it feels like when you see those overnight numbers for a game against Colorado state that everyone should be sleeping during, like clearly this is like, it's not just the biggest story in in college football and sports, but it's like kind of transcending sports at this point. Like more people are interested in it. That, that have, you know, no stake in Colorado whatsoever. So 
um, yeah, if they were to pull it off, I mean, that would just be pretty unbelievable. And um, I know from talking to him this week, uh, Ray Yormark is, is pretty thrilled by what he's seeing from, from, from Coach Prime and, and what they're bringing to this conference next year. Yeah, uh, he's he's just licking his lips, I'm sure. Excited yeah. about the feast of ratings that's going to come to the Big 12. Uh, Max, um, no, Notre Dame and Ohio State uh, is an interesting, very, I mean, it's a huge, you know, two premier blue blood matchup. And uh, Notre Dame's not been great in these kind of big games lately, but they actually yeah. have maybe, well, they definitely have the experience advantage. They have the experience advantage of quarterback here with Sam Hartman mm -hmm. versus Kyle McCord. Uh, is this one that maybe Marcus Freeman can can hang on the mantle after it's all said and done? Yeah, I mean, you can question the quality of competition Notre Dame has played through their first four games, but I think they've been really impressive, really consistent. And Sam Hartman is is playing as good as advertised for sure. He looks like you know he's, he's got a really steady control of what they're doing um, in their new offense. And I, I feel like he has been one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And you know, I know Ohio State pulled away and put up a ton of points against Western Kentucky last week, but overall, like, I'm not sure it's been the most inspiring start by Ohio State, and I think you're, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're probably talking yourself into the real possibility you can pull this off, that um, that this is, you know, Ohio State is still kind of figuring things out with Cal McCord, and just, I, you know, the defense has been excellent. I think it will be excellent again this week. And But, you know, I, I think that if you're a Notre Dame fan, you – you're probably pretty optimistic and kind of like your chances based on what you've seen from your team and what you've seen from Ohio State this week. I, I lean Ohio State. I think Jim Knowles is doing a great job with this group um, and is going to you know, make it difficult for the Irish to, to put up a lot of points. But um, wouldn't be shocked if, uh, if Notre Dame pulled it off. And honestly, if they win that game, um, I, know, I know we've had Texas and Florida State and some teams rise up really quickly. Like you're probably talking about Notre Dame as like, are they number two or the number one? Like where do they belong at the very top of the rankings right now? Max, uh, here in Waco, we're going to have Baylor and Texas. Obviously, been a very rough start for the Bears and Dave Aranda. Yep. Um, you know, UT had a little bit of a letdown last week. I think it's fair to say post Alabama, um, but you know. Seeing some of Texas' flaws, um, is that concerning to you that the offense is kind of big player bust and that the running game maybe hasn't quite got going? Or is that just something of, you know, that's they're, they're so much they're so explosive and talented elsewhere that those are the types of things they can overcome? Yeah, I think that the Rice game and the Wyoming game, you look at them, uh, and look at Alabama to some extent too, but that's a, a different kind of matchup, obviously. But the Rice and Wyoming game, I think the, the kind of consistent thing there is I, I think Sark not really loving what he's seen in, in terms of, offensive rhythm and consistency drive to drive. And, uh, you know, it, it hasn't looked great at times despite how talented they are. And so I think there's still kind of the, the identity, you know, you saw some, some really good things against Alabama with the big play passing, with the ability to finish um, the game late on the ground. But I think Texas is still like, we're, we're not to the point now where Texas can just show up and put up 40 points. Like I think they're still kind of getting this thing uh, figured out here. And so, I, 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 you know, for on the Texas side, this is kind of probably a take care of business kind of game for them. But I could see it being being pretty competitive because you just haven't really seen them show up and, and drop a lot of points on somebody and really, um, you know, really kind of put that fear into people yet. So um, I think Dave Randall will have some interesting answers for them that they, they, you know, they haven't really put up a ton of points on his defenses when they've played. And uh, I think it's a good test to just see is Texas legit. All right, who is leading the country in stop rate? 
stop right uh we won't have that out next week right no. now um, although i thought you came out i know i know yeah. well it's, you know the way we do it i mean it, it's I, I i i look at it in terms of um you know games you played against fps opponents so there's just a lot of teams that have only played like you know one or two so far lately and so um you know right now ohio state and michigan are, are, are at the top of that list you know who's been really impressive though and is in the in the, in the top five right now is actually oklahoma um, and, and look, you can, again, you can chalk it up to quality of competition, but, um, I, I think they're feeling a lot better about what they've got defensively so far. And, uh, you know, they got Cincinnati this week. I think that they're probably going to, I think they're well positioned to, uh, to be undefeated going into red river and, uh, and, and be a real factor in this conference race. Max, uh, you and Ari went to North Carolina. Um, yep. you went into the Jordan sneaker vault, uh, sanctuary whatever it is uh did you try to make off with any and if you could have which ones would you have taken <laughs> i did not try to to make off with any ari definitely thought about it there's there's a couple that he really coveted um i, I for, for me it's like I, I didn't grow up like a carolina fan or something like that but that carolina blue on a jordan like that's pretty pretty damn hard to beat honestly and i I think the ones, I think the threes, like you could talk to me. I mean, I, I would take any of them as a gift, honestly. But I, I think that uh, just seeing that wall um, was, was uh, it blew me away. Ari was ready to, lock, to sign a, a letter of intent as soon as he saw it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, that's, that, that had to be very, very cool. And obviously, Max got a good thing going there right now. But yeah, I know what you mean. That's iconic. The, the, the jump what, man. What is it for you guys? Joe Mano, Carolina Blue. Um, if you're grabbing a shoe, what, do you, what, do you, what, what box are you trying to take home? You know you know the one that I think, and, and again, this is probably a little old school, this the pure white with the Nike swoosh on the side, the black Nike swoosh on the side is all I want. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah. But that was, <laughs> I, but I, that's the original. The only thing is they get dirty pretty I, quick and scuffed, and that's not good. I, 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 would, I would because I wanted them when they came out. Even though I was a little kid, I want the ones, the very, the Jordan one, the very first ones. The ones I just mentioned? That's a great call. Yeah. yeah. Great call. All right. All right. Yeah. I want yeah. high tops, though. I like the threes, the fours, and the twelves. Um, those, are, those are the ones that I like quite a bit. But, um, yeah, that, that's, I think, where great I would pick. go. Uh, Love it. Max, uh, the USC situation that you brought up at the, the yes, very beginning, let's circle you. back to that. Uh, I just saw yes. the statement that USC released from Lincoln Riley where he basically said that both sides could have handled it differently. Obviously, a young reporter just trying to, you know, do his job, but also learning and uh, a coach who should probably know better and, and how to handle this, uh, you know. But what do you make of, of what went down in Los Angeles and, and how it's now been handled here a few days later? Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh... – and just not a good look for USC at all um, to try to dole out a suspension to somebody. I think that, um, you know, I, look, I, I, I um, jumped on to a college beat really young when I was, you know, 22, 23 covering Texas for ESPN. And that's a pretty high pressure job. And, you know, believe me, I, I made lots of mistakes. Um, I, I, I certainly was always appreciative of the SIDs who, you know, were willing to talk it out and be professional about it and kind of help me learn a little bit and, learn what I screwed up and have a little grace about it. Um, because that, you know, the inevitably that's, that's going to happen. Even, even if you think you're doing a good job, you're, you're going to make mistakes or have missteps and they're not always um, intentional and malicious and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes you just screw up. And I've certainly dealt with some SIDs who, who didn't treat me well when those, those situations happen. And so, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I, for, for USC to t take it to, 
to that extent um, over pretty little stuff. I, I think Lincoln Riley took a beating on that one this week, and that's something they, they shouldn't try going forward. And, uh, you know, I think, I think whenever you can kind of talk that stuff out, um, I, I think that's a lot better than, than trying to, uh, to take those kinds of uh, drastic steps. And honestly, I, 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 I've heard of people being punished, but, but uh, throwing out a suspension, that, that, that's, uh, that's pretty extreme and obviously didn't play well. Lincoln Riley acted like a middle schooler with this deal. I mean, there's, he's got more important things to worry about. I know he wants information tight, but this was nothing he needed to be involved with. And now you wonder, yeah. he's overruled, right? And, yeah. you know, is he going to be a petulant child now with the administration? I know he's making tons of money, got a mansion, but this this, this was so unnecessary. Yeah, and he's got a, you know, he's got a new boss, Jen Cohen, who came down from Washington. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a little bit of that, that going on. Lincoln Riley is such a big figure there and, uh, you know, so powerful and so beloved and, and has them heading in the right direction for a playoff and all that kind of stuff. So if he's, you know, Lincoln is shown at, at Oklahoma, that's something – he cares about uh, he cares about policing that stuff, and it's hard to kind of tell whether you're the media relations person or even the AD. It's hard to tell the head coach, hey, let's let's maybe not do this. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. uh, you know, I think he learned a lesson on this one as well. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Max Olson, theAthletic.com, most every Thursday about four o'clock with us on everything and most anything college football. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.